This is episode two of the series That Human Bio Thing. And what today I'll be talking about is titled, entitled Chemistry, Chemical Messengers, not Chemistry, that would be a bit different. And I'll just talk through a few key things here. So what do we understand by an endocrine gland? Well, often in exams you need to be able to identify the difference between an endocrine gland and an exocrine gland. And so it's good to have a definition of each. An exocrine gland has a tube through which things can be secreted and therefore exo means outside of, crying to secrete out of the glands. And in other words, it has a duct through which the secretion is, uh, enters another system. So an example of an exocrine gland may be something such as the, oh I don't know, the salivary glands there are, that's an exocrine gland. An endocrine gland, on the other hand, doesn't have any ducts and therefore it's ductless. And so an endocrine gland secretes like a sponge being squeezed out hormones into a system. So then the next question is, what do we understand by a hormone? Well, a hormone is a chemical me messenger released from an endocrine gland into the blood or secreted into the bloodstream, the plasma part of the bloodstream that affects target organs. In other words, that is the site to which it is carried via the bloodstream to have an effect. There are two main types of these hormones and what you need to understand is in the specification they're referred to as lipid soluble and um, water soluble sorry i almost forgot there what the water soluble ones are protein or amine hormones and so your textbook will have protein and amine hormones but as i say the syllabus actually refers to them as lipid and uh, water soluble what we mean by lipid soluble is that it can pass through the phospholipid bilayer of the cell surface membrane or plasma membrane. What we mean by water soluble is that it needs to attach to the cell membrane surface because it cannot pass through the cell surface membrane because it isn't lipid soluble, it's water soluble. And they are the differences. So the protein and amine hormones are actually examples of um, water soluble and they bind to the surface of the cell surface membrane. As a result of that, they will stimulate and release a secondary messenger on the inside of the membrane, which will cause usually uh, a, an iron gate or an activity to occur within the membrane that allows a change within inside the membrane. Very often they'll cause the release of an, uh, an enzyme, which will then lead to several enzymes being released, and we call that enzyme amplification, as several enzymes are released. An example would be insulin. Insulin can combine to the outside surface. It's a hormone, but it's a protein-based or amine-based hormone. It can't pass through the membrane because of this, and it therefore is water-soluble, but not lipid-soluble. It binds to the outside of the membrane and causes a secondary messenger to be released inside, which allows glucose um, channels to open, allowing glucose to leave the blood and enter into the cell. Not only that, it actually causes and stimulates a secondary messenger which causes a, an enzyme to be released which will convert glu uh, glucose to glycogen in a process called glyconogenesis. So as a result of that you can see that the hormone has an impact but it has an impact by acting binding to the or to receptor proteins or uh, on the outer surface of the membrane. Lipid soluble hormones are things such as testosterone. And what they do is they can pass directly through the membrane via because they're lipid soluble. Therefore, they pass across the phospholipid bilayer 
and they're steroid hormones or steroid hormones, depending on how you choose to say that. What they do is they bind with a substance within the cytoplasm, usually, which will then pass into an organelle, for example, the nucleus. When they pass into the nucleus, they can bind with a regulator protein, which will either attach to the DNA and cause a promoter, will have a promoter effect, which will cause the enzyme to be activated, or they'll attach to a receptor protein, which is inhibiting um, a gene being switched on, which means it can no longer bind to a, a promoter gene, and therefore that section of DNA can be switched on, as it were, or to put it another way, that section of DNA can be transcribed and translated into a protein. In other words, the gene has been activated, and in that way, you have uh, the steroid hormone has been effective. So what is the purpose of hormones? Well, hormones activate, well, the, the hormones are designed, their mode of action is obviously to cause a change within the cell. Often they are longer lasting in terms of their activation, although some would assume that noradrenaline and adrenaline or, are much faster acting in terms of their effect. One thing that is also needed to understand is that hormones need to be cleared. And so once a hormone has bound to the surface of a membrane, for example, in the terms of an amine, bound, amine hormone, then it needs to be broken down. And this is done by the action of enzymes, the broken, but many of which will break down the hormone in the liver and the kidneys. It's important to understand that the regulation of the body is is basically the purpose of this the release of hormones is to maintain a constant internal environment the constant internal environment is maintained in a process known as homeo which means the same stasis to maintain or keep homeostasis is maintaining a constant internal environment the mechanisms by which homeostasis occurs are regarded as a negative feedback loop in other words when things move outside of a tolerance level hormones will be released to reduce or eliminate the effect of the stimulus, thereby switching it off, so as to speak, hence the term negative feedback. There are some positive feedback systems that exist, such as when you have a fever, which we'll come on to at a later podcast, also when giving birth, and also when suckling your young. These are not really homeostatic mechanisms as such, as they amplify the effect of the original stimulus. Thereby, we call them positive feedback loops because they increase or amplify the effect rather than reducing or eliminating the effect as in a negative feedback system. As well as the understanding of the difference between the two types of hormone, which comes up every single year in waste, and therefore I recommend learning it, the other thing that comes up very regularly is the relationship between the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. The hypothalamus is located in the base of the brain and this hormone this sorry this organ enjoys a very healthy relationship with two parts of the pituitary gland the pituitary gland is known as the master gland because of the number of hormones it releases but in many senses you could argue that the hypothalamus is the master gland in the sense that it actually controls the release of hormones from the pituitary gland how does it work well the, there is a link between the anterior and the posterior lobe of the pituitary gland. 
The anterior lobe is linked via blood vessels and the posterior lobe is linked by nerve tissue. What happens, and this section that links them with the stalk between the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland is known as the infundibulum. So how does it work? Well, in terms of the anterior lobe, there are a number of hormones that are released. These hormones rely on the stimulation from the hypothalamus in terms of either releasing factors, which will obviously uh, stimulate release of hormones, or inhibitory factors, which will inhibit or slow down the release of hormones from the anterior lobe. Those hormones, or those releasing factors in, main, in most instances, pass via blood vessels to the anterior lobe of the pituitary gland, causing stimulating their release and secreting them into the blood. And these then go on to do a variety of functions throughout the body. In terms of the posterior lobe of the pituitary gland, this actually is what's known as a false gland. It's actually an extension of the hypothalamus. And as I said, it is linked via cell bodies. What happens is hormones are produced in the hypothalamus and then passed by the cell bodies to the posterior lobe of the pituitary gland where they are stored. In order to release those hormones, and there are two, which is ADH, antidiuretic hormone, which we'll come on to what it does, and the other being oxytocin, to release those hormones which are stored in the posterior lobe of the pituitary gland, but are not made there, uh, you require nervous stimulation, and that nervous stimulation will cause their release. Anti against diuretic going for a wee hormone. In other words, when you release that hormone, it's as a result of increased osmotic pressure in your body because you have lost a lot of water outside of tolerance le levels. We'll come on to how that's detected at a later podcast, but suffice to say that the release of more antidiuretic hormone will cause the nephrons of the kidneys to reabsorb more. The release of oxytocin from the posterior lobe of the pituitary gland will result in a positive feedback loop. It causes the walls of the uterus to contract and this stimulates, sends a message back to the hypothalamus which stimulates more oxytocin to be released from the posterior lobe of the pituitary gland and therefore the contractions increase and become stronger in intensity. Therefore this is very important in giving birth. A second role of oxytocin is after the baby has been born the suckling baby will uh, suckle for breast milk and as a result of that, this results in more milk being produced. So again, this is an example of positive feedback as stated earlier. The anterior lobe of the pituitary gland releases a number of hormones as mentioned earlier in the podcast. Follicle stimulating hormone, which will stimulate the growth of follicles in females and production of sperm in males. Luteinizing hormone, which will result in ovulation and maintenance of the corpus luteum in females and secretion of testosterone in males. Growth hormone, which uh, will, as its name suggests, result in growth and protein synthesis. Thyroid stimulating hormone, which will stimulate the release of thi thyroxine from the thyroid gland. Adrenocorticotropic hormone, which is, stimulates the adrenal cortex to um, secrete the relevant hormones from the adrenal cortex, and prolactin, which will encourage the mammary glands to produce me, uh, milk in females. So they are the main hormones that are involved. 
Now there are a number of other organs that you need to learn and I suggest that you learn the gland, the endocrine gland from which they are released, such as the thyroid gland, the hormone that is released, such as thyroxine or triiodothyronine from the uh, thyroid gland, the, number, the cells that are most affected or the target organs or cells, which for this case would be most cells, and its main effect, which in this case is increasing meta the basal metabolic rate or the metabolic activity. I could suggest, I could go through all the other hormones, but my suggestion is just learn the table from your textbook and learn. I would put those on palm cards and that's how I would learn those to ensure that you know the differences between them. Okay, thank you very much. That is the end of this podcast.